Hello and welcome to the Filmmaking Stuff Podcast, where you'll get insider tactics on how to make, market, and sell your movie without the middleman. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome your host, LA-based motion picture executive, Jason Brubaker. Hey filmmakers, Jason Brubaker talking to you from sunny Southern California. Welcome to today's show. Uh, joining us, and this is going to be a little bit different. You all know Tom Loy. He has a vast, at this point, a vast library of training materials on the Filmmaking Stuff HQ website. But outside of the training and the work that we do together at Filmmaking Stuff, Tom runs two other companies. I actually think he runs like three or four other companies. But uh, but but there's two that I know of right now: his production company and his distribution company. And because we're just coming up, uh, the Cannes Film Festival is right around the corner. Some key executives from his team over at Glasshouse Distribution are joining us today. And to introduce his team, uh, Tom, I think you'll just put that. So it's it's not Tom from Filmmaking Stuff today. It's Tom from Glasshouse Distribution. If you could introduce your team. Yes. My voice has a it's sleep, slightly different register when it's uh, from the Glasshouse. But yeah, no, it <laughs> Glasshouse Distribution. And, and it, just a quick important point to note is that the Cannes Film Festival takes place at the exact same time as the Marché du Film, which is the it means uh, market of film uh, in France. So what we're really focusing on is the Cannes market, which is the biggest of the film markets. And so I am the president and co-founder of the company. We have Rob Deej, who's the head of worldwide sales, and we have David Lawrence, who is the head of acquisitions. So to give you a kind of back story of the company, it's Rob and I really head up the sales uh, and we're, we're talking to buyers on a regular basis, which they'll go into as far as details of the market. Uh, and David is the one that brings films in. He's also a buyer for domestic uh, films that he, you know we acquire those. And so that's really how that goes in the company. But I will just say that the can market is for somebody that's listening that has never seen of it, heard of it or seen it before, it's very much like a trade show in any other industry. If you think of a trade show, a lot of people can picture what that is, or they've been to one. It's an open floor, especially can as, as opposed to AFM is an open floor where people set up booths and their individual companies, they put their posters up, they have their trailers running on a loop and buyers from all over the world come and you try to make deals on films. Yeah. And so, you know, I know a lot of our listeners have attended the American film market and you know, it's said that can is probably a bit more professional. What does that mean exactly? Rob, do you want to take that one? Well, I think to start, it's, it's, it's a little more centralized um, on our planet. And so you're, it's probably more well attended by various different uh, countries from around the world. Um, I think secondary, it's, you know, it's prestigious. Um, it's, it's got, you know, a lot of, it, it probably brings a little bit more um, talent from a on-screen perspective, as well as uh, folks behind the, uh, the, you know, the companies and, and so forth. Um, but it's, it, it's, it's the world's greatest place to uh, do business and film. Yeah. And, you know, and Rob hit on a key point there is that it does have the spectacle and the glamour of the Cannes Film Festival going on at the exact same time in the same vicinity. So, that does bring a higher level. And, you know, just to cut to the chase, it's a lot more expensive to go to Cannes versus go to AFM, which for years, only maybe three years ago, did they stop letting people in without a badge. You used to be able to go to AFM for free and, and go to the first two levels and hang out by the pool for free. 
And only, I believe, 2019 did they stop there. 2018, they stopped that. So there was a fringe element of AFM that never existed in Cannes because it's, you know, and for lack of a better explanation, it's more expensive to go to Cannes. So, yeah. And so, so Rob, on the distribution side, so I assume you have a catalog of films that you represent and you're going there to meet buyers. A lot of listeners hear that and they think, oh, buyers, that means they probably want to buy my film, but that may not always be the case. Well, that's right. I mean, every, everyone is different. Um, every territory is looking for, you know, their own set of criteria. Um, and, you know, that could be, you know, specific genres. It could, you know, be certain ranges of years. They may, they may be interested in going a few years back, or they may just be only interested in brand new releases. Um, they may be more focused towards stuff that's cast driven. So it, it really depends. And, and, what you try to do is get to know the buyers and get to know like what some of their tastes are, but the markets are also an opportunity, not only to sell stuff and, and to see them again, but to kind of re up with them on what they're looking for, because that criteria can change from market to market. And so I'm an independent filmmaker and I have one film. Do I fly to cans to try to sell it? Can. Yeah, I'll I'll take that. And I'll just say that that's that's probably a mistake. You know, when Rob talks about these buyers and these relationships, these are things that we've nurtured for years and years, even before the company was created. We knew many of these buyers uh, you know, from going 10, 15 years around to these markets and just going and maybe putting a booth up or something like that and having one film is a mistake. You know, they, they want to do business with the people that have bigger catalogs and and have relationships. I think it'd be a mistake, but I don't think it's a mistake for a filmmaker to go to Cannes. I think it's very good, but I think they'd be wanting to meet people like David Lawrence and uh, not trying to meet buyers because a buyer is probably not going to do a deal with just a, a, a solo filmmaker. Yeah, so that's, you know, that that kind of raises the question. So when when you go, Rob, you know, at the beginning, you're, you're, um, you oversee sales. And then David oversees acquisitions. But if I'm not in that space or understanding distribution, I don't know how all that works. So David, you know, Tom just said, if there's an individual filmmaker walking around, they should try to find you. Why is that? What do you do? So I, I find it to be my primary focus to teach filmmakers what they didn't get taught, they didn't get taught in uh, film school, which is about distribution. No film school really teaches about distribution. And so I spend the majority of my time explaining how it works, um, the pitfalls that you should avoid, um, the things that you should look for in a distributor. And I kind of give them as much information as possible so that they can make their own decision on me versus another distributor. Um, the other thing that you know we, I, I highly recommend is if you do have a film and you are looking for somebody in acquisitions, you know, have your have your trailer ready to go. Have you know a pair of headphones to go over the top ready to go, so that you know you know have your little bag that has everything you need right there. Because you could close a deal, you could you know meet somebody in passing. They only got five minutes. You've got an elevator pitch. You've got your film ready to go. You could show me your trailer, and then I know that you're a serious person with a serious film and product that I can sell. And so then we'll start that conversation. I'll either set up another meeting where we can discuss it further, or you know, uh, I'll tell them to send me their project, send me their film, and then I'll get back to them. Yeah. So when they send you the film, then then what do you do? You screen it. And if it's something, you know, that, that your company's interested in acquiring, that's when you send over the paperwork or how does that work? 
Yeah. So what I do is I screen it. Then I set up a meeting where I have a conversation with them about, you know, what their expectations are with the film. Um, and then I analyze what their, you know, if their expectations are realistic. I also, it's also kind of a little bit of a, um, a little bit of a test because I'm testing to see whether or not they're filmmakers that we want to work with. You know what I mean? And so, you know, do they understand, you know, that, that we may change a title? Do they understand that this is now a product that they got to sell? Do they understand that, you know, I may have made it for $1.8 million, but it's a drama with no names and their expectations are far higher than I have to bring them back down. Um, you know, I hate to do that, but oftentimes filmmakers don't really understand the importance of the market and, you know, what sells it, what sells a film and what doesn't. It can't just be, I really love this film. It's a really great film. I spent a lot of money on it. It has to be, you know, sellable for the market. The product has to be, you know, able to, you know, show numbers, you know what I mean? And get a return for the companies. So, so when you're deciding on a film, I assume that you have a conversation with Rob to see if it's even something that, that he has a buyer for. I have a pretty good handle on on, on, on what we're on in the beginning. Yes. In the beginning, I would contact, you know, Tom, Rob and other people at the company and see if it made sense. Um, after enough time with the company, I, I understand what, what, what products sell, um, at what level, uh, generally, you know, action, horror, uh, sci-fi, you know, genres that have fans of the genre. Um, they're, they're, they're such big fans of the genre. They don't care who's in it. Um, they can get away with, you know, less, uh, less, less known, uh, actors. Uh, and when you get into the, you know, dramas and things like that, you know, nobody wants to watch drama besides their own, unless Brad Pitt is delivering it to them. You know what I mean? So that's kind of, you know, I, I, I've been able to kind of figure, figure that out as I went, plus the market changes regularly. Like one thing that we noticed while we were in, uh, one thing that we noticed while we were during the pandemic is that, uh, family films did really well. And the reason why is because everybody's in the house and you can't really get away to watch a Quentin Tarantino movie. So family films did really well during that. And then, uh, yeah, so things like that. So I usually prep the filmmakers on all of those, you know, back to that first question um, with our conversation in the beginning. And then I also start to uh, whittle down, you know, what are, what, what are the, what are their sticking points? You know what I mean? Like, you know, what are, what are their expectations? And, uh, and if I can't meet those, then I start to kind of back away a little bit and, you know, maybe recommend that they go with another distributor. Yeah. And, and those expectations, you know, a lot of uh, having had some experience in the space, you know, I know a lot of people will come up to you and they'll say, Hey, I got this, uh, film I did with my kid's sister. I think I could get $10 million for it. You should write me a check today. Um, and that might raise the spidey sense that, that this person's a little bit, uh, let's just say the expectations are a little misaligned. Yeah, hundred percent. And on top of that, um, you know, it, it, I, so I asked this question when we're, when we're at different, uh, when we're at different uh, markets, you know, can being one of them um, is if I see a film that I don't really think is up to par, I'll say, Hey, uh, and everybody in the office perks up when they hear this statement, because it's, it's a loaded question. They say, how many uh, compromises did you make in the making of this film? And if they are, if I could work with them, if they're like a standard film, if they're a filmmaker that, you know, is worth their salt and understands, uh, they'll say, oh man, we, we didn't get the light on this day. You know what I mean? We, we went over budget. We, we couldn't get the actor we wanted. They pulled out. Somebody got COVID. So we had to hire a new DP. So things, you know, whatever. And it doesn't matter how sad it is. At least I know that they're realistic about there's going to be, you know, compromises in film. But I say, 
you've made too many compromises for me to sell your film, unfortunately, but you got all the way through, you made a film, you're going to find a, a home for it. There's lots of self-distribution options out there for you. So I would say go that route, but you've made too many compromises for me to sell your film. Next film, make less compromises. And I guarantee you, I could sell your film. You know what I mean? So that's, that's kind of, you know, where we end up. Um, and then again, once, if I, if I, let's say I do, every once in a while they say, I didn't make any compromises. And that's how I know they're a little bit, you know, delusional. And I go, okay, well, sorry, man, it's not really for us. Uh, have a good day. Thanks so much for coming in. Congratulations on finishing a movie. And that's pretty much as far as I can go. On the, you know, conversely, if they, if the film is awesome, uh, and, and I've done my due diligence on whether or not they're, you know, filmmakers that we can work with that are going to be, you know, understanding of the process, um, and they learn quickly. Uh, then, you know, I, I send them a deal memo. It basically has, you know, outlined, you know, kind of our standard deals. I send them a questionnaire where they fill out the questionnaire with all their, you know, pertinent information for the film. And I also send them uh, a list of our minimum deliverables. Um, and so if they come back with that questionnaire and they've got the minimum deliverables all set, um, they've given me all the answers that I need, then I could produce a contract, send them the contract. They look it over with their lawyers. They come back. And, uh, and then we got to, and, and then they, and then the next process is after they've made the contract, then they start, um, deliverables. And so deliverables, you know, delivering a film is, uh, could be a little bit complicated, especially if it's the first time, you know what I mean? There's, there's certain specs that you have to, that you have to hit in order for it to, uh, to, to run smoothly because eventually we have to deliver those two platforms. Got it. Yeah. And, and I mean, there's so many different things out there, you know, when we think about platforms, um, and, and that's probably for another discussion uh, where we talk about windowing. We talk about the platforms, not just in the United States, but globally. Um, there's a lot of opportunity. I mean, bottom line, there's a lot of opportunity to get a film out into the world. And Rob, so in preparation for the market, uh, have you already reached out to a lot of people and set some meetings in terms of your buyers where you have those relationships? Yeah, just a few. <laughs> yeah, we typically start that process uh, about a month and a half to two months out from a market. So you start reaching out to your entire network, um, you know, finding out who's going there and and can we can we set a meeting and you know get get them your lineup in advance and that's always a little bit of a juggle during that process. You know, you're trying to first and foremost you're trying to get the meeting. There's a lot more you can do and get done face-to-face -face in front of someone than virtually. Um, and secondly, then you're trying to make that meeting as productive as possible. And by doing that, you want to get them your catalog. You want that catalog to be as complete as possible. So you're waiting to sort of close that last film that's going to make it into can. But then you want to get that to them early enough so that they have time to go through it, sort of look at the posters, look at the trailers, digest it figure out if they want to screen some of the things in advance. And the more you can get them down the road in that process, then once you're sitting down with them in can, now you have a productive meeting. They have a couple of films that they, they screen, they like, you can actually start talking a deal. I, I think, you know, I like the inner workings of that is so cool, you know, that, that you're able to share with us from, a, you know, and, and make that transparent because I think, you know, the idea that you have these strong relationships that you're setting up with meetings with people, they have an, you, you already go into this knowing what people are looking to buy. And then do you transact, right? It, so somebody comes up to you and says, I, I need this entire catalog for France. Um, as an example, do you just transact right at the market or, or is there, 
Is it like a big contract thing? Do you negotiate? Like, how does that work? You know, sometimes that's that's our goal. We'd love to close deals at the market if they've seen it before. Like sometimes we'll send the films before and they won't look at, you know, we'll tell them, hey, did you get a chance to screen? They'll be like, no, we, we're too busy, you know? And so if you can do that. So sometimes it's the first meeting, which the first meeting, we may not send the screeners right away. We might just send the trailers or we might send nothing because we want to get the relationship first and then pitch them the films in front of them. So there's, it's such a juggle as to what it is, but it always is great when we can, look, the ideal is they've seen it beforehand. They know what they're coming in with. Here's the number, but you know, failing that you try to get them to like, well, are any of these, you know, of interest to you? And they'll ask numbers on the film, which, you know, that's another whole can of worms is that we have to try to figure out the best numbers per territory so that we can quote them a price right there. And for the filmmakers, look, at we're advocates for the filmmakers because we don't make money if less the film makes money. Right. So that's the only way to do it. And so the, the filmmakers don't see us. You know, there's been films that we've had that just didn't sell internationally, just didn't get sales for any reason. And they don't realize they only see that you know they haven't got sales they don't realize maybe we've pitched it 200 times i mean to 200 different buyers you know and then they so at the end of the day it's out of our hands whether the buyer wants the film or not does it fit what they feel they can make money off of are they is it is it their taste in the movie and then that's the only way to get a deal so there's there's always um trying to find pieces to the puzzle to try to close deals well not the least of which the market's always shifted right so what worked last year may not work again this year yeah, we got a big thing for war films. I remember that, Rob, like in our last meetings, that seemed to be a byproduct of the pandemic for some reason. Um, you know, nobody wants pandemic movies. If anybody's listening there, make it a pandemic movie. Don't stop, make a new movie, but uh, turn it into a war movie because we just suddenly, that was like the number two. It's always been action number one. I don't think that's ever changed. But the second genre, they'd say war. And that that just only occurred in the past two years, I would say. I think the other little bit of surprise, like, you know, I would, I would say this started before the pandemic was some interest in Westerns, which I was mm-hmm. uh, not surprised or not expecting. Yeah, oh, it's fantastic. I'll, I'll go make a Western then. <laughs> I, I better rush to do it because uh, if you can make an action war Western. There you go. Now you're, you're, you're guaranteed money. So, yeah. Um, well, I, I, uh, I know you guys are busy. You're packing up. You, you're finalizing all your all your meetings that you're setting up. So I really appreciate you coming by. Um, to spend some time with us and shed some light. We'll, we'll come back and talk about windowing. I'd love to hear more about, you know, after can uh, what, what happened, you know, because uh, I know there's going to be outside of all the business. There's also after hours business. I'd love to hear about some of those crazy parties you guys might end up at, uh, but that's for another time. And, and uh, the last thing I'll just say on that is that it is, those are work, you know, it, it is know. fun, but they are work. We've met at four in the morning. We've met, hey, I'm a buyer from Spain. You guys are so fun. I'm going to stop by your booth tomorrow. And it's like, ka-ching, you know? So, and the last thing I'll just say before you let us go, Jason, is David hit on a great point, is that the film schools don't teach sales and distribution. We at Filmmaking Stuff do teach sales and distribution, you know, but it's just something that the information is not readily out there. Anybody can find a course on how to make a film, go, uh, you know, go to school, learn how to make a film. They don't know how to finance and they don't know how to sell and distribute the film, which end up being two of the most important aspects. Well, yeah. And, uh, you know, one of the things we love to share over filmmaking stuff is we don't share theory. We want to work with people and and have instructors that have actually, or that are actually doing the things that they're teaching. So uh, you guys hit the mark on that. And my gosh, you know, if it wasn't for uh, my uh, nine month old uh, baby at home, I'd probably hop on a plane and come join you. 
it sounds sounds like it's a lot of fun. And now that the pandemic's behind us, I mean, it's just so great to be able to go out and meet people face to face again. So all the best to you guys. If you like today's show and you like the stuff that we teach, check us out at Filmmaking Stuff HQ. That's filmmakingstuffhq.com. Thank you for listening. This has been another episode of the Filmmaking Stuff podcast with Jason Brubaker. If you like our show and want to get more filmmaking info, make sure you check out filmmakingstuff.com and join us every week for new filmmaking tactics. Until next time, take action and make your movie now.